It's Wired, the Pistons podcast, presented by Keith. Here's your host, Matt Derry. All right, we welcome you back, everybody. It is another edition of Wired, the Pistons' official podcast. Welcome in on this Thursday into Friday as the Pistons get ready for a big home tilt already. The season series will be over Friday night after Friday night's game with the Indiana Pacers. Detroit playing them for the fourth and final time Friday night. Then it's on the road entirely for next week at New Orleans on Monday night in Mexico City for that neutral site game against Dallas on Thursday night, and then off to Houston on Saturday evening. So a busy week next week, certainly for the Pistons, one that will not be easy having to fake the, uh, face the likes of uh, Luka Doncic and James Harden. So a very key and pivotal game coming up Friday night, certainly at Little Caesars Arena against the Pacers team that Detroit now faces for the fourth and final time. They've beaten them two out of the first three. Matt Derry with you. Thank you for listening, everybody, and joining me, ESPN's Amin El Hassan. You see him a lot of times on The Jump. He's also on Sirius XM NBA Radio. Used to listen to him all the time on the NBA Insider Show, the Sunday night radio show that they used to do with Brian Winhurst and uh, certainly Mark Stein. Amin El Hassan, a former front office guy with the Phoenix Suns, NBA analyst and expert, will join me in a little bit. We'll talk about the state of the Pistons, where this team is right now, and get into it. Real fast, everybody saw it uh, this week and, and what took place. Big win Sunday night. They had to get Pistons put up 132 points against the Spurs and absolutely obliterated uh, Greg Popovich's team behind 28 points from Christian Wood. And I think people thought, wow, maybe this could be a game that gets him really going and, and a part of the rotation all of the time, and etc. And, and I like what I see from Christian Wood, certainly. But it's tough sometimes to get him minutes when Blake Griffin's coming back and trying to get healthy with the knee and Andre Drummond's playing so well. Detroit followed it up with a two-game win streak and a victory over Cleveland on Tuesday night, 127-94, as they really just obliterated John Beeline's team. And then Wednesday, you just knew this was going to happen. It's the second time this season that the Pistons have faced the class of the Eastern Conference. And oh, by the way, the, the Eastern Conference is led by the Milwaukee Bucks. It is the Milwaukee Bucks. They're 19-3, and and on Wednesday night, Giannis and company came in and just spanked Detroit 127-103. to I will say this about the game. The best part of the game on Wednesday was watching Blake Griffin step over Giannis, and there was a bit of pushing and shoving after that, and you know, Giannis made some comments about, about how, how sometimes it gets physical in Detroit, but it, it just goes to show. Blake Griffin is the guy that kind of sets the table for this team. And slowly but surely, he's getting healthier. We've seen some 24-point games from Blake, the 26-point game on Wednesday of last week in Charlotte. And, boy, if the Pistons could never play the Charlotte Hornets again, that would be that would be a, a positive because for some reason that team just seems to own Detroit. But the Pistons have got to find a way to find – and, again, Wednesday Luke Kennard didn't play. But they've got to find a way – to get some easy scoring, and certainly get some consistency from the perimeter. Because right now, Andre Drummond's doing all he can. 23 points, 14 rebounds on Wednesday. I think Blake Griffin's giving it a go. You could tell he's not 100%. But Detroit needs to find that third and fourth secondary score on a consistent basis. They really do. And defensively, too, against very, very good teams, you know, just guarding athletes has been a problem. And we talked about it. We've talked about it on the podcast before, and we'll kind of say it. Athletic wings really seem to bother the Pistons and have bothered them all year. So, you know, schedule, like I said, not getting any easier 
which is kind of the downside. But the good thing is you look at the standings and you see Detroit currently sitting at 8-14 and 14 in the Eastern Conference, which is 10th right now. But, you know, Orlando is the 8th seed. They're 10-11, and 11, and they're just two games up on the Hornets for 9, uh, who are at 9. And the Bulls and the Pistons at 8-14 and 14 are only two and a half games back of the Magic, three and a half games back of the Nets. So, you know, the, the playoff race is there, and it's, it's very similar to, to years past with the Pistons, where they are. And we'll talk to Amin about it, about, you know, if they get close to the deadline and they're further back, or if they get close to the deadline and they're closer, what will this Detroit Pistons team do? But right now, really, it's about getting stops against good teams. It just seems like when they play teams that are above them, they have a hard time getting stops. And you look at their differential right now. They give up 108.8 points per game, and they score 108.8 points per game. You rarely ever see that in the NBA. All right, our guest this week on Wired, the Pistons podcast. You see him on ESPN, on The Jump. Hear him on SiriusXM NBA Radio, former front office guy with the Phoenix Suns, Amin El Hassan is with me. An honor, Amin, to talk to you. How are you? Oh, thanks for having me. Love talking to you and, and love listening to you on the air and, and all the stuff that you do. A lot, of, You have a lot of fun with the NBA, Amin. I know you, uh, you upset some of the fans sometimes. Your Twitter's pretty crazy, but it's a sport like no other right now that has that kind of back and forth, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the important thing is that, again, like, we're not really, I think uh, Tom Brady said this a couple of years ago. Like we're not we're not talking about ISIS here. We're talking about basketball, the sport that we all love and and we should have fun doing. And and for me, I, I've always I, I always like to think about it from uh, I guess just an intellectually challenging way, you know, where we can just assume things are happening because they're happening, or we can ask questions: Is it happening because of that? And does it mean that the question is going to be right or wrong? It just means that. I have some curiosity, and so that, that's usually what drives many of the conflicts that I have with fans, because fans want things to be absolute. He's the best. They're the best, and you can't introduce other factors in there, and that, that kind of makes people, their heads explode, I guess. What's your read on Detroit right now, where, where the Pistons are headed? You know, Detroit before the season was a team that I thought would be would be better. I thought they would be more positioned to be right in the thick of the Eastern Conference playoff picture. Now, the good news is that in both conferences, no one's really out of it. Uh, well, almost no one. The Knicks and the Warriors and the Hawks are out of it. But but the Pistons are, what, two and a half games out? Uh, and the team that's currently in eighth, Orlando, and the team in seventh, Brooklyn, not really a whole lot of confidence in the sense that, like, yeah, they're definitely, and you should just forget about it. And so if you're Detroit, you say to yourself, look, Blake Griffin's back. Andre Drummond is, is doing what he usually does on the boards and finishing. Uh, you're getting great play out of Luke Kennard. You're getting great play uh, out of Derrick Rose. is a nice pickup. But I just wanted a little bit more. And they, they've just been so up and down here early on uh, that – to me, there are questions that I have about this Pistons team that go beyond this year that are going to be determined, I think, by what happens to them this year. You know, you look at what Dwayne Casey has, has had to do, and like you mentioned with some of the injuries, Blake Griffin finally back, and it, it just seems like anytime they look pretty good, 
then just like last night with the with the back to back and the Bucks, uh, they they just were they were outmanned, and especially not having Luke Kennard. Are, are they in that spot where it's almost purgatory in the league, where they're not tanking, but they're also not near the top? And, and what do you think about where they currently sit in terms of, like you said, their future? So that's exactly what I was what I, what I was alluding to, where you talk about where are they, right? Right now, they are in a real weird crossroads because Andre Drummond is going to be a free agent at this year. We expect him to be a free agent at the end of this year. Um, and... So do you look at Detroit and say, well, this is a place where free agents are hard to come by and Andre Drummond is a very productive player, um, so we got to keep him. Same thing with Reggie Jackson. Or do you say to yourself, look, if I commit to having these guys here, and, and in Drummond's case in particular, I'm, he's not going to come cheap. He's going to look at, at the going rate for centers around the league and say, look, I'm better than a lot of those guys that they're getting paid this much I should get paid more um are you basically saying okay well then I'm doomed to just have this team a Blake Griffin underdog Reggie Jackson team that's not good enough and so that's why I said what happens this year is really going to determine where this thing goes because if they end up out of the playoff picture or just barely make it to the eight seed and get shellacked by uh, a Milwaukee or, 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 or even a Toronto or something like that, then I think it's easy, it makes it easier for that front office to say, okay, we got to move on. Um, and, and you start from scratch because I, I just I just don't know what the ceiling is to the team if everybody's healthy. It's just not, I don't know, it's a second round knockout. And then the other part of it, obviously, is Blake Griffin's health and, and the number of years and money he has left on his deal. And where does that leave you as an organization uh, with someone who's deteriorating by the day, it would seem? NBA insider and an al- uh, analyst uh, from ESPN, Sirius XM, NBA Radio, Amin El Hassan with me. It's interesting you mention it. We, we use the word tank. It's never happened here. You know, Joe Dumars was always one to say, we're not going to do that. We're always going to try to win. Stan Van Gundy, same thing. And now this... Ed Stefanski, Tom Gorris uh, sort of uh, partnership, same thing. Really, it's it's never been something that's happened here. That's kind of remarkable in this day and age, isn't it? Yes and no. I mean, I would say Indiana has done that. Utah has done that. Miami has certainly done that. And I think there's a difference between saying we're not going to tank, we're not going to completely bottom out on purpose. Right, is, right. And saying let's spend a bunch of money on guys who really aren't that good. There's a huge difference there. I think there's a way to do that, to say, hey, we're not going to concede. We're going to try and win every game. We owe it to our fans. That's fine. But I think then you've got to become shrewder as a front office. You've got to go more value deals. You've got to have a much better, greater emphasis on minor league scouting. I think that's the way you get that done. And obviously, your, your regular scouting as well, as far as uh, you know what you, what you get from college and internationally and all that. So you've got to basically become, you know, for lack of... Uh, better way of saying this like uh like billy bean in moneyball you got to find the value deals value deals value deals and this idea that well no no, no we over because we're a small market we got to overspend on mediocre talent because that's the only way we get guys in here i, th- I think that's what gets you in trouble that's what's gotten this current uh, iteration in trouble that's what got stan in trouble and for me when you look at joe dumars when they were operating at their best think of all the value deals they had there right ben wallace was uh, like a throwaway just because 
uh, you know, they got some back in the Grant Hill deal. Richard Jefferson, they traded away Jerry Stackhouse because Washington wanted to make a splash, right? Chauncey Billups was a distressed property at the time. And all of those guys came together um, and created the, the greatest winning culture in Detroit since the bad boys because they were all ostensibly value deals. They were value deals who, were, who outplayed their value. They weren't the opposite. They weren't big splash. And when Joe D went wrong, it was when he got the Iverson deal and signed Ben Gordon, and that, that's where you get in trouble. You start spending money because this is the best I can do. I can't, I can't hope to get a LeBron. I can't hope to get uh, one of these guys in the market. So let me get one of these other guys who's just because they're available and they're willing to say yes. And I think that's the thing that Detroit, if they you know, basically concede that this isn't working, this current iteration, they've got to figure out a way to get more value out of those other uh, roster spots. You know, I just realized as you were talking that the Pistons are still paying Josh Smith this year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, like, that was one of those ones where, you know, Stan, you know, and, and I've gotten to know Stan over the last couple of years. I still haven't asked him this question, but why? Why didn't they just cut him? The stretch wave just, to, I get it. They didn't want him there, and they were, even though I think it was still hasty to say, no one's ever going to trade for him. I think they could have waited a little longer, but worst case scenario, just cut him. Just cut them. The stretch wave didn't do anything for them other than give them the flexibility to sign more bad deals. Team's sitting right now at 8-14, and 14, tied for 10th in the East, but you said, like you said before, right there in the thick of things in the playoff chase, and there's a lot of basketball left. When you watch Blake Griffin and you saw what he pulled off last year, how, how difficult is it to watch him this year? You could tell he's just not 100% yet, and is this something that Pistons fans should be concerned about? I mean, given the nature of his injury, it's a knee injury, given the, the style of play that he, he's played his entire career, a very athletic and high-flying and high impact on those knees, yeah, I, I would say I would be concerned. It's something worth being concerned about. Um, the big question right now is, is this, oh, I'm just not quite 100% yet? Because remember, he was hurt last year in the playoffs and he gutted it out uh, to play in the end there. Or is this, no, this is who he is. His knee is done, so. And unfortunately, I don't know the answer to that because, you know, I, I'm not privy to the medicals. But I think for Detroit, for the Pistons, that is a real serious conversation they have to have. Because if it is a case of it's this is going south, it's not going to get better from here on out. It's not like he's going to rehab and be back to his normal self. Then that if, if, should affect and impact the decisions they make moving, going forward. You mentioned Kennard, and, and obviously, you know, they just drafted Sekou, and he's going to take some time. So they're trying to mix in some of the younger guys. But like you said, the luck in the draft sometimes plays a factor. You know, the Pistons picked, you know, 15th this past year. So what, two picks ahead of them was Tyler Hero at 13, and he looks like a stud. Three picks ahead of them is P.J. Washington, and he just destroyed the Pistons the other night, and he was picked at 12. Sometimes it just, it is the luck and bounce of a ping-pong ball, isn't it? Yeah, and then the other part of it that you have to acknowledge is just because they're balling right now doesn't mean three years from now Denver is, is not going to be the better player. It just some guys are ready to play immediately, and some guys aren't. Look at a guy like Pascal Siakam. You could say, "Oh, look at all these guys. You know, they got picked ahead of him." And through the first three years of his career, like, oh, this is pretty good. And then last year, he's much better. And now this year, he's an MVP candidate in a way that I don't think anyone would have. I know anyone because. I talked to the kid himself. He didn't think he'd be this good a year ago. Um, so uh, it's 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 sometimes it is a, a kind of like a 
natural thing to look at, oh my God, look at them. They're, they're doing so great. And look at all that guy's doing so great. What do I have? But these things take time. And sometimes it, it, it's the opposite. It's you got a guy and your guy's pretty good. But there's someone who's just clearly better. So Kennard and, and Donovan Mitchell is always going to be one that's going to go down in history. And it's a shame because Luke's actually a pretty good player. Right. But the, the, the shame of him is that he's always, they've always been connected to what Donovan Mitchell does and accomplishes in his career. All right, I mean, when you look at the East, uh, we had Milwaukee in here last night. Um, who pushes them, if anybody? Is there a sleeper team you like or a team that, that may move up uh, as the season goes on, at least in the East? Uh, well, I think, first of all, I think the Eastern Conference is a lot flatter than people would assume looking at those records. Um, in particular, Milwaukee, they won 13 in a row, and I've got to be honest, but 11 of those 13 wins are not impressive to me as far as the caliber of opponent. Now, they've beaten them, and they beat the gap between Milwaukee and Boston and Philadelphia, and hey, I'll even throw in a team like Miami in that mix. I, it's not that big. I think it's uh, this is still a wide open race as far as who's going to go to the NBA Finals. Toronto absolutely is in that mix as well. Our last one for you. Um, in L.A., this whole Lakers-Clippers thing, it, 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 it's, it's darn good for you. It's it's great for the guys at the jump and our buddy George Sedano, all those guys, uh, the guys on TNT. I mean, Lakers-Clippers, we could go five, six months talking about this, right? It's a lot of material. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's, it's definitely fun because we've never had this before. That's the thing I think people need to understand is that the Clippers and Lakers have literally never been good at the same time. Ever, 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 ever since they shared a city, and certainly not since they shared a building. And so that's part of it is that we have, for the first time, two elite teams in the same city. I don't think that's happened in New York either, where the Knicks and the Nets were both elite teams at the same time. Um, having said that, one of the issues, I know a big talking point around the last week or so has been, the ratings are down, the ratings are down. I said, yeah. Well, that's, happened. that's what happens when you put four of the best players in the league, four of the biggest draws, all in the Pacific time zone. And so while Lakers-Clippers is great for us and while I'm in L.A. and great for people on the West Coast because it's a regular time, the reality is much of the, the nation is missing these games, missing Clipper games, missing Laker games on the West Coast because it just happens too late. And I think that impacts the overall popularity of the league to some point. I mean, it was a lot of fun uh, catching. I appreciate the time. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. We thank Amin El Hassan from ESPN for joining me. Follow him and uh, check him out on Twitter at uh, Darth Amin, and also uh, check him out on the Jump on ESPN and also Sirius XM NBA Radio, where he does some spots there. A very very knowledgeable guy, fun guy to listen to, and, and, and certainly he's right when you look at the uh, you know the Western Conference and you look at the NBA. The balance of power continues to be in the West, outside of maybe Milwaukee in the East, and maybe that is why people have talked about TV ratings not being as good. Well, there's only so many games that LeBron and Kawhi and those guys can play early in the evening or in the late afternoon. Those are likely Sunday games or or weekend games. They're playing on Tuesday or Wednesday night, unless they're out East or unless they're playing Minnesota or, or Memphis or New Orleans. Those games are going to be on late, but it, it, it's certainly good for the league that you've got that Lakers-Clippers rivalry right now. Lakers at 19-3 and three have the best record in the Western Conference, tied for the best record in the NBA with Milwaukee. 
They're three games ahead of the Clippers for the top spot um, in the NBA. But you've got some good young teams coming up. Like I said, the Pistons are going to see the Mavs next week. They're fourth in the West. They're going to see Houston. They're fifth in the West. Um, so those are some pretty pretty good squads that Detroit's going to run into next week. All right, we thank Amin El Hassan from ESPN for joining me uh, tonight here on Pistons Wired, the podcast brought to you by our friends at Jeep. We'll do it again next week.